if you weren't here last week, uh, Jill and I announced at the end of the year will be our uh, final Sunday uh, as your lead pastors. Uh, and the first Sunday of 2022, pastors Chris and Bibi will be installed as uh, the lead pastors here of the rivers. Our founding pastor is going to be with us. Our regional pastor from Foursquare will be here. Um, I imagine we'll still have a part of something, but that'll be up to them if they want to keep us around. Um, anyway, looking forward to that. I'm so excited about the future of this church. So I want to talk about grace. And uh, I think probably all of those verses were in your notes, probably the inside page, I think. In 1979, I, uh, actually 1978, I graduated from Oral Roberts University, and to everyone's surprise, I assumed a uh, associate pastor slash youth pastor position at a Methodist church. <laughs> Mr. Non-Order at a Methodist church. It was, uh, it was an interesting season of time in my life. It was an interesting season of time in that church. And, and bless their hearts, I introduced them to some things that were unintentional. Like, like, for example, I didn't know if you said a certain phrase, the choir stood and sang the doxology. And it was usually said right around the receiving of the offering, and in the last part of the prayer of, over the offering, you'd say that phrase, and the choir would pop up and sing that. Well, one day in the announcement section, I said that phrase, and the choir stood up and the pipe organ cranked in and they started singing the doxology and the director who sat next to me we had the the mini pastor pews you know there was the real pastor pew there was the throne and then you have the little stool and he jumped up and looked and then started directing it was it was classic it was comical again i grew up classical pentecostal which meant we didn't even write down what songs we were going to sing. We'd just kind of wait and see what had happened. And, and so you can imagine putting me in that mix. It was exciting. I think of the Christmas season. Now, maybe many of you may have observed the Advent candle, you know, the five Sundays, um, or the four Sundays, and then Christmas Day lighting the one in the middle. I never did that. And so as I was reading a pre-printed announcement, I said, join us next Sunday as the Smith family, and they were supposed to come lead us in the lighting of the, <laughs> I can't believe I did this, lead us in the lighting of the Advent candle. I said, the Smiths are going to come and burn the Advent calendars next week. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was beautiful. But God used me in spite of that, because we had a, a, a youth group that had been kind of really stymied, and we went to a, a summer camp, and God really moved in their lives. The, what I talked about last week, they received. What I talked about last week, if you weren't here, was the salvation grace, the grace we receive, and how it changes our life, and it changes our eternity, it changes our destiny, it changes who we are. It makes us a new person. Salvation received by 
faith and the grace of God. But those kids came home, and our summer uh, youth intern was really good at making rules. Now that you've all come to Christ, you know, I don't want to hear anybody saying dang. Well, they've been saying dang for 40 years, you know. And, and so I began to watch this falling away. Well, when summer ended and, and fall, I was back to my group. And so I, I stood up in front of them and I read this scripture. Oh, foolish Galatians, who's deceived you? What's made you fall back into what didn't help you before? Isn't it interesting? So many of us, if we're honest, we came to Jesus because we had a super need. Our life was really messed up. We had tried and tried to fix it, and finally we realized we can't fix it. God, will you help me? He says, I'm glad you asked. Yes? You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You received it. But so many times, once we get in the kingdom... Then the set of rules kicks in. And sometimes they're worse than when you were outside the kingdom. Anybody here, am I connecting with anybody besides Mark? You know, I'm a preacher's kid. I remember when I really gave my heart to the Lord, people in our church were shocked because I looked, smelled, and acted like Christian. Well, you know what? I brushed my teeth too. Why? Because it was a habit. I grew up in a house where Christian behaviors were habits. They weren't a heart for me. And I knew what I was thinking, and I knew what I was feeling. I knew I just couldn't express it. And I shared with you last week, and I've shared it more than once, that I would say, God, this week I'm going to follow all those things. And, and by about Tuesday... I'd be thinking, we got to get back to Sunday so I can get up to that kneeling bench and ask God to forgive me again, and please don't come. And now some of you are going to, I hope you laugh at what I'm going to say, but my dad was a snorer. And my dad was a righteous man. Those were two signals to me. Because I would wake up at night and wonder, did Jesus come and I wasn't ready? And the signal of snoring told me, he hasn't come yet. And you can imagine on the rare night that my father didn't snore. And that day I had thought something or done something or said something or all three. I could not measure up. It was a struggle each and every day. Wondering... Oh, God, please. And I thought, you know what? When, when, I get, when, when I get through college, it'll all go away. Guess what? It didn't. And then I thought, well, I get married. That'll, it didn't. And then I thought, well, you know, because I'm listening to all these preachers, and they tell stories, and they're perfect. I can't wait till I'm a preacher, because then all of my stuff is going to go away. Guess what? It got worse. Give you some hope, brother. It got worse. It wasn't until I came to understand the title of today's message that God has empowering grace. Grace to get through every situation, every time. The things that I couldn't measure up 
to reach into the kingdom. I wasn't going to be able to measure up to stay in the kingdom. And he wasn't expecting me to do that. He was expecting me to say, I need you today. Oh, I'm glad you asked. I've got someone for you. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit, not only to give you a one-time encounter that you can put it on like a little card, you know, I was saved, baptized in spirit, baptized in water, married, took my first communion, put it in my wallet. That was meant to be funny. So what is grace? Well, last week we talked about grace being God's unconditional love. The wages of sin is death, the scripture says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's free. I was asked this week by a former colleague, he said, what's your famous, favorite verse? Well, what do you, what do you, as a Christian, where are you going to go? John 3. God loved the world. What did he do? He gave. Who did he give? Someone that we believe in him, we have life eternal. Didn't earn it, didn't deserve it. So grace is God's unconditional love. It's his unmerited favor. We, we focused a lot in Ephesians 2 last week. Grace saved you by, or God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. Romans 3.24, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. But today I want to submit to you, and by the way, if you're freaking out, other than the first page, I haven't done one fill-in yet. So just sit back, relax. Media people are back there. Where is he? I don't know. <laughs> but I want to submit to you today, and you'll have to write this on the side, that grace is God's operational power. Grace is God's operational power. Now just listen to some verses here, Ephesians 3, 7. Paul said this, by God's grace, listen to what the next phrase is, and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Paul was the most effective, hardest working apostle there was. And if anybody qualified on hitting every point, it was Paul. But he said it was God's grace and his power that enabled me to do that. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, But whatever I am now, it is all because God has poured out his special favor, favors grace, on me, not without results. For I've worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I but God who was working through me by his grace. 2 Corinthians 12, you know Paul had this issue. Something kept coming up. He had a, a thorn in the flesh. He had something that was opposing him. And he said, to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Sometimes I think that messenger's been sent to me. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. Listen to the next phrase. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so the power of Christ can work in me. Listen to the apostles, Acts 4, uh, 33. With great power, the apostles continued to testify of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, 
and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them. Grace, you see grace and power, they're linked everywhere you see them. Grace is God's operational power. Can you tell I'm passionate about it? Because when I came to understand it, it was such a liberating truth that I didn't have to measure up to some man-made standard that I could never measure up to, that I could live a life that just be always frustrated, always wondering, Dad, keep snoring, keep snoring. And then he died. Now where's my measure? Listen about Stephen. You know his story. He was ended up being killed. Stephen, a man full of God's Grace, this is Acts 6, 8, for those of you marking down references. A man full of God's grace and his power, there it is, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Well, guess what it says about the Holy Spirit? I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his Spirit. It will be the most second most liberating thing that you appropriate by faith in your life. The first being, I accept Jesus as my Savior, so I don't have to save myself. And the second most liberating thing will when you recognize, I can't measure up, I don't know the steps to take, but the Spirit of God, if I receive Him by faith, will guide my steps and lead me in the right path, and enable me to do things that are not natural, but are supernatural. How many have ever had an enemy? And then you read those verses, you know, forgive them. And you want to say, God, you don't know them. And he says, I do. First, Second Timothy 1 Timothy 1.7 For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power. All right. Now everybody, take a deep breath. Those were all bonus points. Written at 4 o'clock yesterday morning. I had written this original outline about a month ago, and I forgot what I was even trying to do. So... Uh, that's where the Lord took that. So let's talk about the sevenfold empowering grace of the Holy Spirit. Everybody figure out where I'm at now? I think I'm on the next page over. The sevenfold empowering grace of the Holy Spirit. So now you're some of you that were nervous. He's not on his notes. We're not going to get out on time. The Baptists are going to beat us to the sizzler. Sevenfold empowering grace. Let's talk about it. John 16, 7 says this. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Jesus said that. They were just getting to the point where they were kind of trusting him as their leader and kind of beginning to understand that he told a lot of stories and he did things a lot of different, a lot different. They still really didn't understand the kingdom. And then he's saying, you know, I, I'm going to cut out of here soon. And they're saying, no, you're not. And he says, it's best for you that I go away. Why? Because I'm God the Son, the Son of God, but I am in the form of a person. Guess what? I can only be at one place at one time. 
So if BB needs me for help, I can only help her, but Dale needs me. It'll take me a while to get over there to Plumas Lake, especially if I follow GPS. He says, it's best that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him. John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? He gives us grace in seven ways. Number one, in personal nurture and comfort. Personal nurture and comfort. Do you need a teacher? I used to work in a school that was individualized, which means if you came to my school, we gave everybody tests. And so you might, oh, there might be a whole room of fourth graders, but in math, they might be here, 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 here. And so we started them here, 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 here. The person that had to adjust wasn't the student to the class. The teacher had to adjust to the student. And it was quite fascinating, I will tell you. I will tell you, it was very fascinating, especially in, in my room. I, I had students that were in trigonometry. And then the next hand that would be raised, I'd go over and kneel down by them, and, and they're doing multiplication. But it's like they had their own personal tutor when they were in my class. Guess what? When you receive the Holy Spirit by faith, guess what? You have a personal tutor who knows it all that's available. I forget when it was. It was recently I was trying to do something. It wouldn't work, wouldn't work. And, and it was finally, <laughs> the Lord prompted me, when are you going to ask? You teach everybody that the Holy Spirit knows all truth and he'll lead us into all truth. He knows the manual of this. If you just ask, and so, okay, okay, Lord, send your spirit, tell me what to do. And it's like immediately I had the thought, bingo, like 30 seconds later I was done. John 14 says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. You have your own personal tutor. The second grace that we receive is spiritual grace. Spiritual grace. Romans 8, 2 says, it's because you belong to him. Because you belong to him. Not because you did it all right this week. Because you belong to him. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed us from the power of sin that leads to death. When I came to understand Romans 8, 1 and 8, 2, there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ and that the Spirit was going to empower me to live life to overcome, that I didn't have to overcome my own ability and strength. What a liberating truth. What an understanding that grace wasn't a one-time moment when I broke the window of the Minneapolis, Minnesota First Four Square Church, but that it was every day, in every circumstance, in every situation. The life-giving spirit has freed us from the power of sin that leads to death. The Galatians 5.16. So, so I say, let the spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The Holy Spirit 
is like a spiritual GPS that doesn't take you down a wrong road. Are you inviting him? Are you asking him, well, I don't know if I have the Holy Spirit. You receive him by faith just like you did Jesus. And he will provide you with spiritual grace. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. When this truth hit me, I remember the, the first glimpse I had of it was on a Sunday night service that I literally danced my way out into the street in Sonora. And the next day, I was in school, and I pulled a name or a tag out of a hat that was, you have to do a five-minute speech in public speaking class based on that. This wasn't a Christian school. And I looked at that, and I said, I've received power to be a witness. And probably my best five-minute sermon ever was at Sonora High School. Why? I'd receive power. The Holy Spirit to come on me. Why? To be a witness. Number three, we have emotional grace. Do we ever need that? I hope I didn't freak any of you out because I'm, I'm not fully loony. But I will tell you this. There's things, and this is a confession, there's things that life, life, people look at us and we've had people actually say to us, well, you know, I could live life if my life was as perfect as yours. <laughs> Right, Our life is a grace-filled life, I'll just tell you. Uh, a very much a grace-filled life. We're grateful that we didn't get what we deserve. We are so grateful for that. But things have, things have always been challenging. They've, we've had challenges, but I've always been kind of put your head down and we'll just get through. Am I disappointed? Yeah, I've been disappointed. Have I been seriously, severely disappointed? You bet I have. But it's never stopped me. But in, in I don't know if it's it's it could be the season of time, it could be my age, but things just bug me now that I can't shake. And people have known me a long time. The team that I lead at work, when I told them Monday that I was stepping away, they said, That's good. I mean, they see it. So when I talk about emotional grace, it's something I prayed for myself this morning. I've been praying for the last six months. God, give me grace in my emotions. You'll say, where is that in the scripture? I'll tell you, Galatians 5. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. What is a fruit? A fruit is an outgrowing of the nature that's in you. In other words, an apple tree puts out apples unless you buy one like we did that gave us nectarines and peaches or whatever it was <laughs> the holy spirit produces this kind of fruit see if any of these are emotional love joy Is this any of these emotions peace patience 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 Patience. I wish we could pause the, the feed. I just have a hard time suffering idiots. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Any of those sound like emotions? 
Who gives you those? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Emotional grace. How about number four, physical grace? <laughs> physical grace. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. But just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies. That's your physical being. Do you mean the Holy Spirit can help you physically? You bet. Sometimes I get on the scale to remind the Holy Spirit I need a little more help. And he says, I'll see you on your walk at noon. Mental grace. Mental grace, number five. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into spiritual truth. No? All truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All this belongs to the Father's mind, and that is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. When you need truth, you have a resident who is a resource to the encyclopedia of all truth. Number six, you're going to have a hard time fitting this in because I put it, it's supposed to be grace of the body of Christ. But I stuck grace at the end, so in the media this morning, that's what you get. But it's grace of the body of Christ. I say, what, you, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Well, Psalm 68 says it this way, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. I come from a family that we always kind of gravitated to my mother's side. Why? Because when my grandparents on my father's side died, he was dating my mom, and they kind of adopted him as a boy, their boy. And so everything, all our family traditions were kind of tilted to, and don't take this wrong, the Wall family, not the Wall, that was their name. And our, our spiritual heritage was from that side. And so guess where we went at holidays? To that group of people. Because there was like 60 preachers in that group of people. And that other side, we weren't sure they were going to heaven. My dad led his brothers and sisters, every one of them, to the Lord before they all died early of cardio issues. But I consider myself lucky. When, when Jill and I got married, we kind of gravitated to her family. Because we were close to them, we were proximity to them, we just did. But you know, some of you might be sitting there, well, I'm jealous because I don't have a family. Well, yes, you do. You'll hear me often refer to us as a church family. Where do I get that phrase? It comes from this verse right here. God places the lonely in families. Because sometimes we have greater um, unity and greater commonality among our brothers and sisters in Christ than we do our brothers and sisters in blood. 
I can remember one year going to one uncle's house and him berating my father for being a minister with a bunch of words I'd never heard. Thank God we didn't have Google. I might have known what he was saying. 1 Corinthians 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. What does that mean for us? How is that a body grace? In other words, I don't have to be everything. And you're not going to believe this, but I'm shy and reluctant to be around people. And watch, when I put the microphone down, see if it's not true. I married someone that can't wait for me to put the microphone down so she can mingle with you. Together, we're a balance. Well, think of it in the bigger sense. You've heard me for the last nine months say I'm the experienced pastor, but thank God we have an energy one. Some of us, let me read the, the whole thing. The human body has many parts, but the parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us were Jews, some Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many parts, not just one. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not up on stage and get to sing or preach, that doesn't make him any less part of the body. That's not what it says, but you get the idea. If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would it make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would we hear? If the whole body uh, were an ear, how could we smell anything? But your bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Romans 15 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I say, I put that verse there as a transition into the final point. That we have grace for vision and supernatural guidance. The Spirit will come and guide you into all truth. He will not speak his own words. He will speak what he hears, revealing to you the things to come and bringing glory to me. The Spirit has unlimited access to me, to all that I possess and know, just as everything the Father has is mine. That is the reason I am confident he will care for my own and reveal the path to you. You don't know what to do. You've got a guide who can give you insight and vision and warning, and direction. And how do you receive him? You receive him by faith. Just like last week, how do you receive salvation? You believe in the message of Jesus. You believe in the work of Jesus. You believe that he was the Son of God, and God the Son, that he was crucified, buried, and he rose again. And because he lives, you will live also. And how do you join that? Well, by faith, I receive it, and I also repent. Repent means I change the way I think. I used to think Jesus didn't matter. Now I think he does, and I accept what he's done for me. There it is. Notice it wasn't a behavior change. It was a thinking change. It's how I believe. 
How do you experience the Holy Spirit and his fullness and power? You receive him when you believe. How do you get him? You ask. In my final weeks, in our final weeks here, I don't know if you get what I'm trying to convey, that God is extending his grace in every dimension to every one of us that we can live spirit-led, spirit-filled lives that are fulfilling and purposeful and bring value and change. And under your new pastors, you can go and really impact this community if you'll walk in this by faith. How do I receive the Holy Spirit? As a free gift. The Spirit's received by faith. How do you relate to the Holy Spirit? Now, I grew up, you know, we had one version of the Bible, the King James. I thought God's name was Thou, or the brother of Thee. You know, There's all these words we never use, but we got to church, and we, anybody like me? Yeah. Well, why, why, why was the Holy Spirit a freak? Because we gave him the word, he was the Holy Ghost. And whenever it was said, it was said just like they used to say, God. <laughs> I mean, my friends, when they were out in the playground, they said, God. But when we went to church, it was God. And it was the Holy Ghost, and not just ghost. It always became kind of eerie ghost and you kind of had some you in your I remember I'm a child I'm kind of picturing some fog floating through the church so how do you relate to the Holy Spirit well first of all he's a person he has personality how do I know remember I, ta I taught this a while back he thinks he feels he speaks those are attributes of a person you mean I can talk to the Holy Spirit? Yes, you can. You can also relate to him as God. A present God who's in you. It's not like getting in a line at the department store to see Santa. And you're going, I wonder if I'm ever going to get up there. Some of us have viewed God that way. I'm not going to bother him. The line is too long. He said, I got a deal for you. I'll come live in you. I'm instantly available. That's who the Holy Spirit is. And last, how do you relate to him? You relate to him every day for everything. I'm one that I used to, God, I know you're busy and you got bigger issues with people that are far more weird than me. So I don't want to bother you. I'm, I'm just being honest. Now, that's an arrogance on my part to think that I'm so put together I really don't need his intervention. Yeah? I need him every day. We all do. This morning, just like last week, there may have been people in the room or people watching online that had never received Jesus as Savior and Lord, and we encourage you to accept Jesus as your Savior and do so by faith, and we prayed a simple prayer. This morning, I want to say to you, there may be those of you in the room that say, yeah, you're talking a lot about the Holy Spirit, and I know he's a gift, and Jesus is the gift giver. Well, why don't you ask Jesus to give you the Holy Spirit? And since he's a good giver, do you think he wants to withhold a good gift? Absolutely not.
So, Father, this morning, for those in the room and they're watching online, that in their heart they have a sense, a desire to experience you at a greater, deeper dimension than they ever have before. I pray they ask you, Jesus, to give them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I know you well enough because you've walked with me a long, long time that you're willing to go where you're invited. And Holy Spirit, I know you're willing to guide us and direct us and help us and lead us in every step of our life, if we'll just ask. I know, Holy Spirit, that you want to come in power where we need power. I know you will come in wisdom where we need wisdom. I know you will come as a roadmap in our life where we need direction. I know you will come as a healer where we need health and wholeness and restoration. I know you'll do that because you've done all those things and continue to do those things for me. If you're in this room or online, just ask him in your own words, in your own way. Jesus, I want the gift that you promised, the gift of the Holy Spirit. How do you know you got it? You believe and you receive by faith. So, Father, we do that now. And we say thank you for the gift of your Son. And, Jesus, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that will enable us to walk in your grace each and every day that we can live extraordinary lives in an ordinary day because of your power and grace. And we'll thank you for it. Amen. 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 As I mentioned earlier, I encourage you um, get back from get back from New Year's celebration so you can be with us on the installation Sunday. Pastor Rob's going to be here, our founding pastor, and uh, I was teasing him yesterday. Are you going to sing and dance for us? Some of you get the humor of that; others will just have to wait and see. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, I'm really excited about what God's doing. So with that in mind, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you, may he cause his face to shine upon you and may he give you his peace. May he guide your steps in your going out and your coming in. May he give you protection wherever you go. May he give you wisdom and insight into the circumstances you face that are bringing defeat that you might experience victory. And for that, I pray that over you and I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great, great, great week.